Welcome to the Silver Emulsion Podcast. My name is Will Kauf, and I'll be your host. Open your mind, relax, and lock yourself into this groove for a little while. and gentlemen gather the kitties around the fire because it's time to motherfucking podcast <laughs> all right how you guys doing uh, i'm doing all right and i hope everybody's doing okay too uh so today i'm gonna be talking about uh, a little uh movie called superman versus batman or batman versus superman whatever the fuck it's called um that movie uh, was that this year, 2016? I think so. I don't really know. I don't keep up. Um, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about that because I watched that. And I'm also going to be talking a little bit about uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. So uh, it's going to be a little versus show. Superman versus Batman versus Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. I didn't plan that. It just kind of happened. Um, but so, uh, well, without further ado, <laughs> uh, I'll get into the feedback this week. Uh, a little light on the feedback, but that's fine. No big deal. Um, so I had a little message from Uncle Jasper, and he <laughs> greatly enjoyed the uh, little pit fighter sample that I put into uh, the intro from last week. Last week was kind of a little hodgepodge of, of samples uh, over the John Carpenter track from his most recent album, Lost Themes 2. And uh, <laughs> I guess he, he really enjoyed the uh, pit fighter sample. So um, no prob. <laughs> I enjoy uh, pit fighter as well. So, uh, with the real feedback, he said, uh, Hey, I finished uh, this week's podcast. Great episode, dude. Probably your most rambly podcast so far, but you know, I love that shit. It was kind of weird listening to a podcast about the horror films of 1981 and only hearing a small slice devoted to Evil Dead. I think eventually you should devote a podcast to the Evil Dead trilogy or even an entire episode dedicated to each film. Anyway, I started looking over the horror films of 1982 in anticipation of uh, the next episode in the series, and I can't wait to hear you talk about a few of them in particular. Well, uh, thanks there, Jasper. Uh, I have not looked at 1982. I think it's... Uh, I, I enjoy surprises, and it's usually best if I don't look too far ahead 
because then uh, I have a tendency to start the the dialogue in my head. Oh, what am I gonna say? You know, as soon as I know what the hell it, I'm gonna be talking about, that happened definitely with 1981. Um, 1980, I just jumped in and was like, all right, here we go. But 81, because I knew I was gonna do that a few days before I looked and just kind of see like, oh, what is there to talk about? Uh, so that kind of hindered me a bit, just in, just mentally. I don't know that it hindered the, the show. Um, that would be up to the listeners to decide, but I don't know that it's actually... Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's hearable. <laughs> well, is there a fucking word for that? I don't know if it's uh, a listen. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this is the... Uh, the detriment of doing the podcast at night because <laughs> I'm tired and so like I forget shit <laughs> but it's also I think a, a benefit <laughs> more than anything because it makes it shit funny funny to me I, I, I hope uh, everybody else is having a, a good time <laughs> um, but yeah to go back to the feedback um it definitely was the most rambly podcast. I, I went almost two hours on that fucker. Um, there was just so much to talk about. I, you know, I don't know. I just I went hog wild on that. And then um, with Evil Dead, I definitely want to do Evil Dead um, podcast. I think there's probably a lot to talk about. I don't. I honestly don't know if there's a lot to talk about because, like, when I I reviewed the first two, I, uh, a little theater up here um, opened a few years ago, and they were trying to go hardcore into like being a revival house uh, at nighttime or whatever, and so they had a series of horror movies and Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Uh, they showed both on 35 millimeter, and so of course. I uh, did what I had to do to get down there, and so I saw those, and then I reviewed them uh, for the site, but honestly, when I went to see them, I just went to see them for fun, and I didn't I didn't know if I was going to have anything to, to actually write about, or if I'd even want to write about them, because I'd seen them so many times, uh, but I did end up coming up with a bunch of stuff to write about, so maybe, maybe uh, there would be a lot to talk about. Oh, there probably would. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's definitely uh, a possibility for sure, and uh, I also have uh, a copy of Within the Woods, the Super 8 version of the original Evil Dead, or the the, the initial version of it that uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell uh, and their buddies made uh, so that they would show it. Uh, they, they shopped it around to get money to make the original Evil Dead. They carded uh, the Super 8 movie with a little projection... Uh, what do they call it? Projector? <laughs> I was going to say projection booth. <laughs> but, uh, so they went around town asking Dennis and shit for money, and eventually they got it. They made Evil Dead. I should put this on an Evil Dead show. But anyway, I have Within the Woods, and I always wanted to review it, so if I ever do the podcast, uh, that'll probably be part of it. And so, and and, and coincidentally, uh, I started watching the TV show from last year. Uh, I hadn't seen any of it, so I started watching that, 
and so um, I'm not done with it. I'm only six episodes in out of the first ten, and the second season is currently running. Uh, but I watch things in seasons, and then I take a break because I get bored of, of watching too much of the same stuff. Uh, I'm definitely not uh, the uh, the binge-watcher type. Uh, I get fucking bored, so <laughs> I have to move on to something else. Uh, so uh, I guess I don't know that I... You know, I guess that's it. I mean, that's the feedback. So should I move right into Evil Dead? Um, well, I, like I said, I watched six out of the first ten episodes. The first episode was, I believe, well, I, I start, I don't know how listening to me really works out for people because I start one thought and then halfway through, like, I'll think, no, I should say this first, and then I'll just stop and start saying something else. And I'm sure it's it's got to be a weird um, listening experience. Uh, but nobody's ever said anything. But I know in person, I do that shit sometimes, like I, when I used to do it at work. <laughs> like the Sometimes the people I would talk to would be, <laughs> I'd get this fucking look on their face like a like a dog that like tilts its head at you <laughs> like this like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> so hopefully there's not too much of that uh, unless you enjoy it then uh, hopefully there's more so now i've rambled about uh, my my uh going into multiple thoughts at the same time and i have forgotten what the fuck i was trying to look up oh yeah I wanted to look up the Evil Dead TV show. I know that Sam Raimi directed the first episode. Did he write the first episode also? I don't know. I'm going to find out. So the show debuted October 31st, Halloween of 2015. So that's roughly one year ago. And I just got a hold of it. So Sam Raimi directed the first episode the fucking riveting audio. Um, written by Sam Raimi, Ivan Raimi, and Tom Speciali. Speciali. Something like that. Um, I don't know that guy. Is he uh, one of their buddies? Looks like he's a TV producer and writer. Um, he co-developed Evil Dead. Ash vs. Evil Dead. So kind of like their TV partner, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, well, he's definitely a TV guy. So he was probably instrumental in getting them to go to TV or something. Anyway, just I'm going to make shit up. <laughs> so uh, the first episode was written by the main team. And then uh, the other episodes are all credited to other members of the writing staff. Um, but if you know how writing staffs on TV shows work, uh, it's kind of all kind of hammered out in the writer's room by everybody. And then each episode gets assigned out to one of the writing staff to go and write the episode script. And then they come back with that script and then the room uh, kind of hammers that out again, sort of going, you know, line by line. So, oh, can we punch this up, punch that up, whatever? And then 
it becomes a finished script and the credit is given to that initial writer that was assigned the episode generally i don't know i can't comment specifically if that's ash versus evil dead because i don't have any inside knowledge but generally that's how a tv writer's room works so I'm sure Sam Raimi, Ivan Raimi, and Tom Speciale had some kind of uh, writing uh, input on all of the episodes, but they only are credited for the first episode. And Sam Raimi only directed the first episode. Now, I've only seen six out of the ten, but I can definitely say that the first episode feels like it's directed by Sam Raimi, and the other episodes, not so much. They definitely don't have that same uh, manic, fucking, like, non-stop energy throw Bruce Campbell through the fucking grinder. Um, Bruce Campbell does go through a number of grinders um, here and there, but there's other characters that are also... Uh, you could call them main characters. And so because of that, those people also get to go through some, you know, some real uh, abuse, I guess. Most of it, it I guess, is uh, still focused on Ash, but um, it's not all on Ash like it used to be. So I'm kind of dancing around whether I like it or not. Uh, so I'll continue to dance. Um, Evil Dead 4, just for, um, in, in all, uh, for all descriptions, this is essentially Evil Dead 4. Uh, it follows the events of Evil Dead 1, 2, and Army of Darkness. And it specifically references and shows footage from the first two movies so far. I haven't... If they've referenced Army of Darkness or shown any footage from it, it, it was brief and I missed it. But I'm pretty sure that it was just the first two. The third one was a studio movie. So they might not show footage of that because it might be more expensive to license said footage. That's my guess. Um, so Evil Dead 4, just a bit of history. You know, I've loved Evil Dead since I was probably somewhere in my teen years. Um, my buddy Evan introduced me to it. And immediate, immediately I loved it. It was just nothing like anything I had seen, and at that time I was really new to horror movies because I didn't grow up watching a bunch of them. I mean, I had seen a few but by that point, but Evil Dead was still, you know, a very early one in my uh, evolution as a horror fan, and it made a big lasting impression as it does on many people. Um, so... They made the three... Army of Darkness is what, like 92? Something like that. So, in all those years... I mean, when I was watching Evil Dead, the, the first three... Whenever I was introduced to them, it was probably like... I don't know, 97, 98? Something like that. So, only a few years after Army of Darkness. So, the idea that there might be an Evil Dead 4 movie 
was still pretty plausible. Evil Dead, um, the, the Army of Darkness didn't do that well, so money-wise, not necessarily plausible. But Sam Raimi was definitely still working in the industry and getting more clout. Um, Bruce Campbell was still in all his movies in cameo roles basically and the Evil Dead car the, the classic uh, showed up in every one of the movies so he clearly still had an affection for the the old days and so you know as fans we like to believe that uh, our, our great heroes will return to the things that made them great in our eyes and so I you know always wanted and welcomed an Evil Dead uh, sequel as time goes on, um, I kind of gave up on it, though. Because, I mean, when you get 20 years away from a franchise, it's a little hard to make a sequel that's a direct sequel. I mean, you know, Bruce Campbell, as great as he is, and as well-known as he is within the like horror community or the, the genre fan base or whatever like he's not a household name so it's going to be hard to bankroll a movie around him you know he was supposed to be the the lead in dark man sam raimi's uh movie dark man uh but the studio wouldn't wouldn't uh, fund the movie with bruce campbell in the lead so they got liam neeson um which is <laughs> honestly i mean probably a good choice in terms of money making but Bruce Campbell would have been fucking great in that role I think I could see him doing it anyway um so you know for years I wanted Sam Raimi to return to his roots uh as the years went on he would get more and more higher profile films eventually at some point in there he made Spider-Man and then he made Spider-Man 2, and then he made Spider-Man 3, and now, you know, with each one taking multiple years, he's getting further and further away from Evil Dead. You think, like, it's never going to happen. He's never going to, you know, come back. And I just basically gave up, because um, as Sam Raimi got older and I got older, I figured that not only was it a lost cause... Um, I wasn't liking his new movies in the same way that I liked his old stuff. Like, you know, as people age, artists age, they continue to make stuff. Um, it's only natural that their art, their the, their products uh, change over time. If, if you're, whatever, 18 making some shitty movie in the fucking woods, it turns out to be Evil Dead or however the fuck old he was. And then you're 45, making a studio movie, and they, and you haven't changed any. That may be good <laughs> from a film viewer's standpoint, but just, uh, I don't know, some kind of personal evolution uh, should probably be happening, uh, you would like to think. So, while, but, but the thing that kept some kind of hope alive was that in the Spider-Man movies 
there were little moments, just little moments where he would flash that manic Evil Dead to like perfect fucking energy in his filmmaking and the camera would go wild and there's a scene in uh spider-man 2 with the like it's a hospital scene or something and it's still like straight out of evil dead it's fucking great and so you see a scene like that and you go god damn it this fucker has still got it he still knows how to do this he still feels it he could fucking do a kick-ass evil dead 4 why won't he do it? This is like, ah, uh, like, go, fucking go back. Just make a low-budget movie. You could probably fund it yourself, dude. But he never did. And then he made Drag Me to Hell, which is kind of supposed to be the, the return to form or whatever. A lot of people liked it. I thought it was a piece of shit. Uh, maybe if I saw it again, I would like it. But I remember just hating the, the characters, the main characters, and wanting to see the main girl just get annihilated and, and like we're supposed to be rooting for or whatever and it also seemed kind of racist it was just like a eastern european gypsy lady like cursing the white girl and you're supposed to be rooting for the white girl i don't know i was definitely rooting for the gypsy the whole time anyway i didn't like it um there's some good physical effects in it but there's also a lot of cg and eh, i don't know fuck it i'll just watch evil dead too you know, or any of the Evil Dead. So I'll just watch the shit that I like. I don't, you know, whatever. So, basically, after that, I gave up. I said, fuck it. He he went back to a lower-budget movie, lower-budget movie, and it turned into that. And that was not good. So, fuck it. I don't care. And then, you know, a number of years go by, and then they announced this. Okay, Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, no, the fucking remake came out first. Oh, Jesus. Do I want to go into that? I'm, I had better make this quick. I fucking hate that remake. <laughs> so if you like Evil Dead, and you... I I don't know how to, how to, like, frame it, because the remake of Evil Dead basically destroys everything that's fucking great about Evil Dead in its remake of Evil Dead. And I don't want to get too involved. I don't know. I saw it like three or four years ago now. Um, I don't even... I don't know when it came out. I, I was probably up here in Oregon. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, it's it's like an abysmal piece of shit from an Evil Dead standpoint. Like, as a fan of Evil Dead, a very hardcore fan of Evil Dead and of, um, like, oh, and not a fan of modern movies, really, it just does everything you could ever want wrong in an Evil Dead movie. I fucking hated it. I hated everything about it. Um, but... The key thing with that movie is that Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and I think Robert Tappert, the original producers of Evil Dead, um, produced that movie. And in producing it, they wanted to please fans of Evil Dead as much as possible. Um, I think it's impossible given the script that was written for the, the show. The show. The fucking the movie but in terms of effects work 
they the effects in that movie are basically like 99% physical effects and they look good they look really good they're not the type of effects that I like because they're modern effects and they look really really real and like incredibly gruesome and so it's not I, I don't watch it and get a good feeling like oh shit that's a dope effect I just get like <laughs> like I'm gonna fucking vomit because it's just nasty and I know it's real and it looks good it looks a lot better than CG and fucking bullshit CG blood but and so I respected it for that but like it's it's kind of like you know <laughs> putting a fucking diamond on a piece of shit it just <laughs> you know there's good work there that you know and I you know no offense to anybody that worked on that production you know they, they put in their work and they did what they did but you know I just if anybody that's really holds the original movie near and dear to their heart I don't see how you could like that remake um because it totally compromises what's great about the original. Um, but, and this was my point, they made that movie, physical effects, and they made it for $17 million in, you know, just a couple of years ago. And it made a lot of money. So it's possible to make a physical effects movie in this day and age with a lot of effects because that movie had a lot of shit going on for under 20 million. Okay, just keep that in mind. I don't know how much the budget for this TV show is, but it's a mix of CG and uh, makeup effects. The makeup effects are 100% great. Absolutely fantastic. The 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 effects like the the makeup for the deadites with the white contacts and everything is great. Looks perfect. It looks exactly the style and the type of, um, like, the art style or whatever, the type of sculpting or, or appliances that they're using, whatever. Um, it looks like shit that's from the old movies. So that's great. But then there's a bunch of CG shit. Like, there's, they put CG gore, like, everywhere, and they'll even use it, like, like, there's one scene, I don't know, there's a fucking head that's getting crushed or something, and you could totally just, there's a head getting crushed and then fucking hit it with the hammer or whatever the fuck you're doing, and blood comes out, you know, fake blood, you pump it with the fucking syringe or whatever you're gonna do, you, done, no problem. And they they shot it, and then they added, like, a big fucking of CG blood coming off the front of it. And it just looks like shit. It would have looked better if you didn't do any of that. So it really bothered me. Or it continues to bother me. Um, I guess I should just get into it. So, they do a bunch of CG, and it's it's really annoying... For me personally, I, I, I'm I probably a broken record, but I don't really like modern movies for many reasons, one of which is the overabundance of CG uh, for, for stupidly easy shit to do in the field. 
Um, I know that they they do it because it's easier when you're out on location or in the studio or whatever you're shooting. You don't have to break glass. You don't have to pump the blood. You can just shoot the thing and add it later. Like I get the ease of that, and I get why you would do it. It speeds everything up. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that you're delivering the same level of product. I mean, you're taking a shortcut, basically. CG is a shortcut. For certain things that could never be achieved practically, CG, you know, is okay. CG is good in, in its in its place. But it better fucking know its place. <laughs> so, they got all this CG. They got a lot of good effects, though, mixed in. So, I'm constantly kind of torn... <laughs> about like liking what I'm seeing on screen and then it's gonna sound like a jump but within the show there's a bunch of licensed like 70s classic rock songs and for the most part they don't have any bearing on anything they're completely unrelated they just generally play one like towards the beginning and one towards the end. They always play one over the closing credits. And there's been a couple of times where they, they're they very well picked and they fit perfectly and they're really well done. Um, I have a big thing about like music and images coming together to create, you know, this, this singular experience of, of watching something. And so there's other songs that are just like oh they just picked this because it's this fucking 70s song that kind of fits in with what they're trying to do with these songs to try to I, I imagine they don't say anything but i imagine it's like some kind of ash mixtape or whatever <laughs> so licensed songs cost a lot of money and this is a relatively low budget tv show from what I can tell. I mean, it's it's got a good production value outside of the CG. Everything else looks great for the most part. I mean, all the physical stuff looks great. Sets are good, whatever. Everything's fine, but the, the CG is just shitty. And so I was thinking, I don't know how much it costs to license all those songs, but if they didn't license those songs and they spent that money on like an FX guy on set that could do certain things that were done with CG cuz almost almost all of the CG shit could have been done practically and it might have even been cheaper honestly i don't know cuz it just i don't know whatever i'm just rambling about nothing now but just, like there's shots where the camera goes through glass and the glass is CG and it just looks like shit. It looks fucking awful. And one of my hugest <laughs> fucking most hated things is the shot goes through a window and there's glass in the window, but it just like kind of seamlessly goes through and it's it's uh there might be like a little like a warp through the the fucking glass that shit annoys the fuck out of me and everybody uses it now and it really bothers me because it, you had to be 
you had to really like design a cool shot back in the day to get something like that and now you just be like oh yeah let's just fucking go through the window and it's really cheap and it's always stupid um and especially so i'm especially emboldened in my hatred of this practice because of the great shots in Witchboard 2 where they actually did it with cameras and it's fucking amazing. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> I'm really dancing around this. I, uh, But if you, you could probably tell, I don't know if I like Ash versus Evil Dead, to be honest. I think I like it. I, I like a lot of it. I also am kind of very um, ambivalent about a lot of it. One of my problems is that it's a TV show. So the threat cannot be as crazy and in, and it, it can't build in intensity in the same way that the movies can. So, like, well, I mean, I, I suppose it could... But they didn't take that route here. Maybe they will in the last four episodes that I haven't watched. But so far, each, pretty much each episode is like its own little mini adventure within a grander adventure. They all flow into each other. It's all one story. But it's like, like in one episode, they go to a bookstore. And the whole episode is in the bookstore. Then the next episode, they leave the bookstore at the beginning, and they go to this, uh, like, Ash's sidekick, Pablo. They go to his uncle's house. And then they're at his uncle's house for that episode. And so, like, back in, in the movies, the threat is really confined to the cabin in the first two movies, and then it gets a little broader in the the castle when they, they go to evil dead and go to army of darkness but that's part of why I, I don't like army of darkness as much is because the just that fucking threat isn't like ever present um no no offense army of darkness i love you <laughs> i'm caressing my fucking dvd Oh, it's okay, Army of Darkness. I still love you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's okay, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the it has this ongoing threat, so they can't resolve things like a movie would, and. I mean, I'm six episodes in, and I don't. I don't know how much time that is. I don't remember if the first episode was... Was that a half an hour or was it longer? It's 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah, so like... First episode is 40 and the other ones are like 25, 30, something like that. So what is that? Five episodes at 30 is... Man, I don't want to do... <laughs> Put myself out there to do math on the fucking podcast. It's not a good idea. I'm usually pretty quick, but like, uh, so that is 150 minutes, um, and then 41. So roughly 
roughly three hours of content in six episodes that I've watched. And maybe two hours left. About. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, how much did I say? Three hours? So I've basically watched three hours of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is equivalent to two... Like, I could watch Evil Dead 1 and 2 in those three hours. And have I seen anything <laughs> that's as potent as those original three hours? No, definitely not. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff, and there's fun Bruce Campbell lines, um, but there's also a lot of shit that's just kind of like, uh, and it's, it's really modern, very modern. The way that I get around hating its its uh, modernity <laughs> is, is that how you say that? Uh, I feel stupid, but it's probably how you say it. Um, I try to think of the show as being like Army of Darkness, where the Ash character is in a foreign land. You know, like he's a man of a different place and time. And he's in this world, uh, and he kind of has to deal with it. So that helps me like it more. Uh, but it's still, it's too, I mean, I know it's a TV show, so they got to slow it down. But, I don't know. It's just, uh <laughs> Like, there's, there's a, a few episodes that deal with this new kind of deadite demon guy that they summon and visually he's great he has a great design it's a it's a guy in a suit it looks fucking great and i really like that but the way that he attacks is completely different than a standard deadite and this guy really isn't a deadite he's a a demon you know that's been summoned so i get why it's different and that's cool and they're broadening out the world and i get that but <laughs> i don't know that i want the world broadened and that goes back to like i always kind of wanted evil dead 4 but i stopped wanting it because i think i realized that i i don't know that i really want it kind of like the star wars thing um and i feel that way about a lot of stuff that i used to want like uh, i love bill and ted I love both Bill and Ted movies, like, passionately. And for a long time, they were talking about part three, and I was always like, yeah, fucking bring on part three. And they're still talking about it now. And now it's just like, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing a part three, I guess. But if they made it now, it's going to be a 20-whatever movie, you know, 2018 or whatever the fuck. It's going to be really modern. And so am I going to like it? Probably not. So why even, like, waste my time thinking about it? Same thing with Ghostbusters. Like, I didn't want a third Ghostbusters movie at all. Whether it's original cast, a new cast, men, women, I don't give a fuck. I, I just don't care. 
Like, I don't fucking want a new Ghostbusters movie. I don't... It doesn't do anything for me. The fact that they made the new one with all women is probably the most intriguing thing that could possibly be done with it to make me want to see it. I still don't really care, but at least it's... I mean, it's something different. I mean, they're trying something. Did they have to make it? No, but I get why they did. Um, and I probably will watch it at some point. Uh, because I'm uh, curious about uh, how shitty it is. Um, as a as a longtime fan of old things and not modern things, <laughs> I I don't know. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment on that. And this is going long. This is like, man, well, I better speed through this uh, fucking Superman thing. So what else do I have that might be uh, worth? talking about i don't know that's probably about it um i do want to say that they did get joe laduca back uh he wrote the music for the originals and he's back writing the music for this and so the music is very good the opening theme especially is is very nicely done and and the way that they present it is perfectly done it reminds me a lot of the way eastbound and down would go into its theme with like in that show they'd do something fucked up or say some real fucked up line and then it would freeze frame and the song um the freddie king fucking song god damn it <laughs> now i'm gonna what the fuck is that song called it's like going down or something <laughs> is that what it's called going down yeah that's what it is going down anyway if you don't know that fucking song freddie king going down is a dope as fuck song and Eastbound and Down is really funny, so you should watch that too. But that's the theme song. Um, and it, so, like, they'll say something fucked up, freeze frame, and then that fucking song starts, and it's <laughs> it's so badass. And so Evil Dead, Ash vs. Evil Dead, tries to do a similar thing with its theme. Um, and it works for the most part. There's a couple of ones that I've seen that are kind of like, eh, I don't know, I could have picked a better moment than that. Uh, to sort of highlight, but whatever. Um, so, do I like it? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I kind of don't like it. I will watch the rest of it, and I will continue watching season two, and it's been renewed for season three already, so I'll watch that too, probably, because, you know, I love Bruce Campbell, and just to see Bruce Campbell do his thing is fun. Uh... But do I think that it should be thought of as Evil Dead 4? Do I think it's worthy of calling it, like, uh, you know, putting it in the same class as those original three? No, I don't. I don't. It, it definitely follows those, and it, it uses a lot of things from it. So it's, you know, technically, yes, it's a, it's a full-on sequel. But for me personally, I don't think it's at that level at all um in part because of its it's uh it's being a it, it, it's a tv show and so it's just fundamentally different um so i don't know i mean if you like tv and modern tv a lot you probably you know you might like it a lot more than i do um but i'm pr i'm a pretty fucking hardcore stickler about like uh, shooting styles and 
visual aesthetics for series stuff like that like the 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 first three Evil Dead movies all share a similar style because they're all same Raimi movies. And that first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead also shares that similar style. Um, and the other episodes try to sort of incorporate that style, but it's, it's not as effective. And it's fine. I mean, they do a good job. I don't think that it's a horrible show or anything, but I don't know. It's not great. I I hoped that it would be like, oh man, it's gonna be a fucking five-hour Evil Dead Four sequel. Um, but it's not. I mean, it is, but eh, I don't know. It's it's fun. I'll put it that way. I enjoy it, and I do like the the supporting cast. They're they're good actors and they're fun to watch and they're fun to see them interact and everything so i i enjoy them i prefer (laughs) i prefer it to be you know ash on his own but you know they work together they have a good chemistry and um ash does some dumb fucking shit (laughs) which is fun uh so you know it's all right it's fun but you definitely have to kind of check your evil dead like expectations kind of a little bit you know because it's definitely not at that level uh okay so i fucking burned through almost an hour (laughs) on that so let's try i i don't know that i'll have much to say about batman and superman right well i have a lot of shit i took a lot of notes um but i can probably burn through them pretty quick because i don't know that i need to talk about all this stuff so just in terms of modern movies, I don't know when the last time I watched a fucking modern movie was before uh, Dawn of Justice, Batman versus Superman, like a legitimate modern movie. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm going to look through my letterbox really quick here and see. Oh, wait, there's a filter. I can fucking filter it by decade, I think. Yeah. Okay. So 2010s. When the last time I watched a 2010 movie from the 2010s. Okay, that wasn't a fucking <laughs> uh, a comedy special. Um, the last one I watched was Wong Kar Wai's The Grandmaster in August, the middle of August. So that's about three months away. But like a legitimate American movie like a big budget American movie fuck (laughs) okay Creed I watched Creed in June so like five months ago so that's how much I watch (laughs) modern movies Um, so that being said I was (laughs) pretty surprised at how how just how much fucking bombast and and CG effects and everything that was in this movie. It was this like mind numbing. Um, I <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I saw Man of Steel in the theater. Uh, at the time, I I reviewed all of the Superman movies leading up to Man of Steel, um, and then it got released, and I went and saw it, and I was disappointed. 
um, as many people were, because it's not really a heroic Superman doing fun stuff. He's, you know, it's a depressing sort of chaotic Zack Snyder fucking CG effects shit everywhere, shitty filmmaking. Um, I'm not a Zack Snyder fan, <laughs> if you can't tell. Um, just what, what fucking movies did he make? Because I think I've seen most of them, and I don't like all of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the only... He made Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, Watchmen, 300, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, and Sucker Punch. And the fucking... The owl CG movie, Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. <laughs> so I've seen all of those movies except for Sucker Punch and Gahul. And I did not like any of them. I, I thought they were all shit. <laughs> Man of Steel is probably the... I don't know. Watchmen might be the better one than Man of Steel, but I really didn't like Watchmen. Um, uh, but whatever. I don't want to talk about Zack Snyder. I don't like him. So he makes this fucking Batman movie. And... Well, he made the Superman movie. I didn't really like it. I knew going into this one that it was going to be more of the same, and so I wasn't really hyped to see it, but uh, I thought that I would see it because, you know, why not? It's, I got it from the library. It's free. It's fucking... <laughs> what's only... You know, what's three hours of my life? Um, and to be completely honest, <laughs> I wanted to shut it off, like, in the first fucking moment. <laughs> It starts off with this goddamn pretentious narration, and literally, like, four words in, I was lost. I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am not gonna fucking like this movie if this shit is any indication. And it was actually a pretty good indication, because the, my predominant thought the whole fucking time I was watching it was, like... Jesus Christ, this movie is a total piece of shit. <laughs> like, I have these fucking notes that I took, and some of my notes were just like... <laughs> like, I wrote LOW in, in all caps, LOW EXPECTATIONS, BUT THIS IS TRULY FUCKING AWFUL. <laughs> and then another note that I wrote is, THIS IS JUST SUCH A PIECE OF SHIT. <laughs> And, like, I don't know that I have anything more uh, <laughs> nuanced than that. Like, it's so scattered. It goes from one thing to the next. It It is just a noisy, fucking constant chaos of a movie. And, like, threads are started like plot threads and then they don't like matter any to anything as the movie goes on there's themes that are are hinted at or, or begun you know themes that are introduced to the movie and then they never really like delve into them at all they just sort of introduce them and leave you hanging you know i mean well i don't know that anybody's left hanging i don't know that anybody thought there'd be some kind of thematic fucking arc to anything but like i mean they kind of built this whole movie around 
the the moral responsibility of Superman. And then, like, did they really engage that? I, I don't think so. Maybe I missed it, but I sure as fuck didn't see it. Um, I could definitely, like, think about the events and, like, really try to wring something out, but I think I would be drawing at something that's not really there. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, like, and I got, I get, I'll give it credit. When I was watching it, I mean, I got bored. But it was a pretty easy movie to watch, as much as I didn't like it. So I'll give it credit for that. I didn't... I mean, I felt the three hours. It felt really long. But it also... It didn't feel over... Like, it didn't feel super fucking long. But I, but I was at home, and I was able to, like, uh, open my mail and shit <laughs> while I was watching it. So I wasn't... <laughs> so I, I didn't have to just sit there like I was in a movie theater. But, and, and like, it's, 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 it's written so, like, dumb. Like, the whole movie is written like, uh, <laughs> like they were, uh, like somebody read all the internet backlash to Man of Steel and then kept that tab open and started writing a screenplay because they based the whole movie around like uh, Batman happened to be in Metropolis when Man of Steel was happening and he watched the buildings come down and it really bothered him <laughs> but what really bothered him is that he oh fucking he took out Wayne Enterprises building Superman, you know, took down Wayne Enterprises, and well, his buddy or whatever was was in the 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 building, and he died, which was fucking stupid because all this shit's going on outside, and literally, like the whole office that they show where where Bruce Wayne's fucking dude, I don't know who the fuck he was, he's like his manager or whatever. They're they're all just standing at the window, like watching this 9/11 level shit happening in their city, and they're just standing there, like, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of the building! Why, you know? And then like Bruce calls in on his cell phone to call to tell the guy like, hey, you know, this is some real deal shit. Better, you know, evacuate everyone. And then and then like. The guy in the building's like, okay, everybody evacuate, and then they start evacuating. Like, like they're that fucking loyal to to Wayne Enterprises that they're they're gonna be like the goddamn t band on the Titanic and just <laughs> type in their fucking shitty data entry job until they die in the on the twelfth floor or whatever the fuck. Like, fuck, <laughs> like, come on, man, it's fucking stupid. I, my ass would be down the fucking stairs as soon as I saw one building start to explode, and and I know it, like in a real situation that's what would most people would fucking do too. Um, especially after 9/11, and I don't know that the 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 world of Man of Steel um, exists in a 9/11 world. I guess it wouldn't because DC stuff happens in its own universe. So maybe that's why everybody stayed there. It's still dumb, though.
<laughs> but like what's what's also dumb about it is that they they open the movie by immediately addressing the internet backlash of Man of Steel with all these innocents dying by sh- by like humanizing the new Batman to us because oh shit like that stuff that we were thinking about Man of Steel, fucking Batman was there, and he was thinking the same thing, man. We fucking love Batman. Batman's so badass. Oh, he's our fucking hero. And then there's all this, these fucking shots of him like running uh, towards the fucking buildings that are coming down, like they're emitting these smoke clouds, like 9/11. And he's, like, running into the fucking dust cloud like a fucking, like he's some kind of fucking hero. I mean, he's Batman, I know, but, like, I don't, I really don't think we, do we really need to to play off those fucking images of the, this national tragedy that, like had actual fucking heroes like running into the buildings and stuff. like doesn't it diminish uh like it trivialize their struggle a little bit like they really did this shit and now you're using it as an emotional hook uh to sort of endear this new batman to us in the first minute i i just i don't know i really <laughs> i really had a problem with that and then when they do the end fight <laughs> to jump really ahead to the end of the movie, like when they do the end fight, <laughs> there's some shit where Batman, like, I don't remember who he's talking to, but he says some shit like, Oh, well, <laughs> we're going to go to this fucking, the, whatever the fuck, the dock or some shit. And it's abandoned, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. Make sure that we say it's abandoned so we can blow everything up and we don't have to st- start the next movie with some fucking oh well that shit that happened at the end of batman versus superman well fucking green lantern was hanging out (laughs) like checking it out and he didn't like it you know so they kind of uh they they kind of quell that but it's funny because it's like they based the whole fucking movie around that and i don't i don't (laughs) fucking stupid such a shitty movie so it's just very contrived and then i guess that leads batman to look for kryptonite so that he can control superman which i don't it seems like a jump <laughs> you know i don't know um speaking of batman i mean i don't know about you but i thought I'm I'm not a Ben Affleck fan. I don't. I liked him in Goodwill Hunting, and like I don't know that I liked him in a movie since. Uh, he's he's just I don't know. He doesn't do anything for me. He's always kind of the same. He's always kind of boring and like disinterested, and I just I don't get it. I don't I don't know why he's still a big star. And his directing career. You know, everybody talks some mad shit about how it's, you know, he's making all these dope movies and didn't Argo win Best Picture? And, like, that that was not a good movie. (laughs) And I don't remember what else Affleck made. What did he make? The Town. That was a piece of shit movie, too. 
so I don't know, like whatever. Anyway, I thought Affleck was fucking a shitty Batman. I I honestly <laughs> I'd rather watch fucking George Clooney and Batman and Robin than fucking shitty Affleck. I didn't like him at all. Um the bat voice, like the they had that little voice modulator on him. I fucking hated that. And and I'm one of those people that loves Christian Bale's voice the Batman voice when he gets all fucking <laughs> I fucking love that. I think it's great. Um I don't uh, like I don't <laughs> I don't really think too much about it. Like I don't think he's doing it because he's trying to disguise his voice or whatever. Maybe he is, but I don't know. I I always think about it as like not all. I mean, I don't really think about it much, but <laughs> when i do think about it um it feels to me like like uh by becoming batman he's uh this seems stupid but like he's becoming an alter ego but like he's allowing this part of his uh uh <laughs> oh god damn it <laughs> I'm just lost for what should be the fucking episode seven the lost for words episode um his his uh is <laughs> i can't think of the fucking word like i kept thinking i keep thinking like his psychiatry and that's <laughs> so whatever his his fucking personality there's like this hidden rageful sort of vengeful asshole that he can't really let out you know to a normal person as a normal person as bruce wayne he can't be like this this fucking rageful asshole that he wants to be that internally you know like he wants you know and i guess a normal person would would deal with those feelings and sort of uh sort of incorporate all of their emotions into their being and they would be a complete person but batman fucking compartmentalizes all of that rage and anger and then like allows it to completely overtake him and run his fucking mind and body and everything and he just is like a fucking machine and so the voice of that uh entity or whatever inside of bruce wayne is this fucking like mean as fuck gruff you know <laughs> gruff dude and i and i love it i think it's great um i can get why people don't like it but they're you know you're wrong <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but the fucking the the like the robot bat voice in in this movie was just like way fucking more stupid <laughs> it sounded awful and so yeah i fucking hated it and Oh my god, like, there's fight choreography in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies that's not great. Um, coming from a martial arts background and a martial arts film background and loving choreography and stuff, the the hand-to-hand -hand or, or any kind of, like, weapons fighting or anything in those Batman movies is always kind of like uh, the, the weak part. Um, and Christopher Nolan's not really great at shooting it either or editing it. Um, in the third movie, 
there's some sequences where he fights Bane that I really like, and I thought that he he definitely upped the ante. You know, he he did his best on those, um, and so you know it got a lot better over time. But there's <laughs> specifically one, and I don't remember how much fighting batman does other than this scene he might not do any i don't remember but in this one fucking scene like he goes to the desert or, or some shit and i don't remember why he fucking went there but um i think it was in that anyway he he like goes in this desert and there's all these fucking dudes with guns and shit and he starts fighting them and Maybe that was that that fucking dream sequence where Superman just heat visions a bunch of dudes. <laughs> He's like this satanic figure in this fucking dream. Um, I think that's what it was. Was that what it was? I don't know. But Batman's fucking gunning down dudes and shit. So I think that's what it was. <laughs> but anyway, the fight choreography is fucking horrific it's so awful batman like they make batman look real fat and and like when he's in the suit he looks like fat i don't know how to describe it he's all puffed out and so when he's trying to do choreography he's all like slow and lumbering and i guess they were trying to make him older (laughs) or uh, like I guess that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to make him older and maybe take something from that the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns story where he's an old, kind of bigger, like, puffier dude. Um, and he does have those kind of big fucking, like, that Frank Miller look, I guess. I guess. Not really in the movie, but I can see it, like, on a concept art level. Um but he just looks so fucking shitty moving. It's just awful. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm being too bad on it. But it just looked fucking horrific to me. And I was laughing because it was so bad. And I, I kept rewinding it and just watching it. And it's so slow and shitty. And it's just like, man, this is fucking Batman. This is the hero that I'm supposed to get excited about. <laughs> this fucking dude. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Uh, so did I talk about effects? I, I talked a little bit about it. The the effects are fucking like nonstop, and a lot of them look horrible. <laughs> Just like there's all this smoke and shit that just looks bad, like looks wrong. Um, <laughs> which reminds. <laughs> There's, I started watching the Netflix series Marco Polo, and there's some fucking horrific CG on that too. There's one part where this fucking dude on a horse is riding in a canyon, and like this fucking, uh, like they show shots of the guys riding the horses, and then they show like at one point they cut to the shot of this canyon, and all you see is this like massive fucking supernatural level dust storm like coming down (laughs) the fucking canyon (laughs) and then just out of that emerges this dude on a horse (laughs) 
<laughs> and then like when he emerges out of it it just dissipates like oh you just this horse was kicking up a lot of dust <laughs> and then he like turns around and rides back <laughs> and the fucking cloud appears again like as he rides away <laughs> It's so fucking awful. And I don't know how it, how this shit gets past people. Because it, it's just, I mean... And I honestly, I thought when I saw that, like, wow, are they trying to bring in some supernatural element? Like, are these, like, the dead riders or some shit? <laughs> and they're not. It's just a guy on a horse. But it looked fucking awful. Anyway, so there's a lot of shit like that in, in Batman vs. Superman where, like stuff comes out of smoke specifically there's there's a shot where batman uh is trying to get in this building and i think he's in a plane and then he like gets out of the plane a bat i don't know if it, i should call it the bat wing because it, it's very nondescript um but he gets out of it and then he runs and jumps and then it cuts, it shows like an exterior shot where he's running and he jumps and you see the window. And then it cuts to inside the building and most of the frame is taken up by this big rectangular window. And you see the shadow of Batman like jumping and uh, kind of coming towards the window. And then, instead of just a dude coming through a window like you would expect... <laughs> The entire fucking window, like every last fucking inch, every little fucking <laughs> fucking iota of that glass just completely fucking explodes, just explodes outward <laughs> like he had charges on it or some shit, explodes outwards into this fucking cloud of like glass shatter and then batman just kind of emerges through it in this horrifically ugly shot it's so fucking bad and like batman is nowhere near each corner of the window and if he if he busted through a window like how many times have we seen a guy bust through a window if you've watched old movies if you grew up in the 80s You've seen people go through windows before. You may have even seen it in real life. I don't know. I want to say that they had guys going through windows at the fucking Wild West stunt show at at uh, Universal Studios, um, if I remember right. But like, <laughs> ever since this, going through a window is one of the fucking easiest and most well used stunts in the history of cinema. I mean, people in the silent era, Buster Keaton's going through fucking windows. All the way to now. <laughs> and, like, I get, okay, you don't want to rig Batman up and have him jump through a window and maybe he fucking gets a shard in his little cheek or some shit. And, oh, you don't want to pay a stuntman to fucking jump through a window or you don't want to pay the insurance costs or whatever. Like, okay, you know, I get it. But on a movie where like the budget is like 250 million or something like that some astronomically large figure that you know like 
<laughs> 10 or 15 years ago was completely unheard of. Maybe 20 years ago. I don't know. But, I mean, back in the day, a $100 million movie was a big fucking time movie. That was like, wow, that's some shit, man. I remember when budgets went over $100 million and it was a big deal. And then it became the norm. And that was a big deal. And then, like, fucking Waterworld costs $215 million or whatever the fuck it costs. What did it cost? Um, Waterworld costs whatever the fuck it cost. And budget. Waterworld, 175 million. No, it has to be more than that. It has to be more than that. There's no fucking way. Cause it was like the the most expensive movie of all time or some shit. Oh god, this is gonna take forever. Well, let me search Waterworld budget. 175. Holy shit. What is the most expensive movie ever made? At present. <laughs> Holy shit. At present, the most expensive film ever made is Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Whatever the fuck one that is. I, um, which cost just under $400 million in 2015 dollars. But to date has grossed more than a billion. Holy shit. Dude, fucking $400 million on one goddamn movie? Holy fuck. That's so much. Man, I'm still like in 90s. Like, Waterworld is so expensive. <laughs> Man, and they're just like cranking shit out. So apparently, okay. So Wikipedia has a, has a list of that um, most expensive productions unadjusted for inflation. So on Stranger Tides, Caribbean Pirates movie, two hundred seventy eight and a half million. But it has an asterisk. What the fuck does the asterisk mean? Officially acknowledged figure. So that's like the studio has reported that figure. Fuck. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End was 300. Avengers Age of Ultron, 280. Fuck, for that fucking movie? Jesus. John Carter, 263. Holy fuck. Tangled. They don't even shoot anything. 260 million. Jesus fucking Christ. That's fucking insane. So Batman vs. Superman, 250 million. That's fucking nuts. And that's just not even counting marketing, I bet. That's fucking nuts, man. Holy shit. So where's Waterworld? Is it really... Way down? Yeah. Waterworld officially acknowledged as 172 million. At once, you know, the big flop of the world. Now it's only 74 on the list. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought it was like 200 or 300 or something. Didn't like the budget balloon or something? Oh, it was authorized for 100 million, but it eventually ran to 175. Jesus. Oh my god. And just all these fucking 2000s movies. <laughs> like Titanic was 297. 
but everything other than Titanic was from the 2000s that's above Waterworld. So like all these so so that going back to what I said about Evil Dead remake, they made that movie for 17 million and there's no stars in that movie, so that's part of it. But physical effects, a ton of physical effects, 17 million. Like why are we not getting more movies like that? Please. I mean not like the Evil Dead remake cuz that was a total piece of shit. But like just even 10 million on a small dope as fuck no CG straight up horror movie like dude come on make it happen people we're spending 250 million on this piece of shit fucking Batman movie I mean it probably made its money back like four times but how much did it make (laughs) holy shit 870 yeah well there you go (laughs) oh man Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't fucking remember where the fuck I was now. Oh, oh, I was talking about busting through the fucking window, and it's like, how much did it cost? (laughs) Like, how much, in terms of effects budget, did it cost for them? I mean, I don't even know if they shot... That whole building was probably CG (laughs) that they that he busted through and it was just a total CG shot but maybe let's assume that they shot a plate of that building like the window before it busted and then they CG'd the bust I mean how much money did that cost how long did that take to render all that and like animate the shitty cloud and oh my god like and all they had to do was throw a guy through a fucking window (laughs) that's it Nothing special. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> uh, it's just that's what's wrong with fucking movies, man. Everything is just it's overblown. I mean, fucking 250 million. That's just insane. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So, uh, is there anything else that I need? To- <laughs> I fucking hated this movie. It's such a piece of shit. Like, I can't even describe how fucking shitty it is. I, f- I hated literally everything about it. Um, well, not literally everything. Uh, Wonder Woman was probably... Uh, at, le- at least Wonder Woman was unique. I'd never seen her on screen. And it was It was fun to see her... Uh, I don't really know anything about her. I'm not a DC guy, so I barely know anything about the main people. Um, I mean, I know, like, Batman and Superman because of the movies, and I've read a, you know some comics in there, too. But, like, I don't know shit about the other people. So it was fun to see that. Um, and... <laughs> Like, they had this fucking, this scene that was completely unnecessary. It was just basically uh, a fucking ad for Justice League, like, in the middle of the movie, where they just show the other guys, and I don't, what did they show? They showed, like, that cyborg dude that I only know because I played the the Mortal Kombat game, Injustice. 
<laughs> and he was in that, and I was like, who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> Cyborg. <laughs> um, and so that they show that guy, they show the Flash, and Flash looks like some fucking little kid, like a teenager or something. And they show Aquaman, um, which was probably like the most interesting. Even though Aquaman, I guess, <laughs> gets a lot of shit. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but he looked alright. He's Jason Momoa. I like him. Um, but yeah, piece of shit. Fucking <laughs> don't bother. Alright, so now it's time for... Is it good or a piece of shit? I don't know which is it. Is it good or a piece of shit? I don't know which is it. First movie up for the treatment is a 1983, uh, I guess you could call it a slasher, called Sweet Sixteen. And this movie has a great poster. Like a lot of 80s movies, it has a great poster. Uh, the poster is basically uh, like a girl in a lake or a river or something in some kind of body of water. The moon is is behind her head, so her head kind of has like this aura around it. And then her shadow uh, is is going down on the water, and then the shadow turns into this big fucking knife. <laughs> um it it uh, doesn't really have much bearing on the actual movie, <laughs> but uh, I guess there is a river and there is a knife, um, but they're not like I don't know. It's not like big portions of the movie. Um, so Sweet Sixteen is kind of movie that is not great, but it's not totally shitty. Uh, it's just it's just okay. Um, it starts out pretty strongly uh, by setting itself up as having like this sort of redneck versus Native American thing going on, where the the Native Americans are being persecuted. Like the there, it starts in a bar, and it's like, oh, you guys, we don't want you in the fucking bars. So get the fuck out and stuff like that. Um, but then that doesn't really go anywhere. It comes up from time to time where like the the Native American dude will come around and then, you know, some rednecks will fuck with them or something. But it, it really doesn't have much bearing on it. What it does do is uh, add to the list of suspects. So you don't really know who the killer is. And so you're thinking, like, is it this girl? Is it this girl? Is it that other person? Is it this... Native American dude, is it the redneck guy, you know, so, you know, I gotta give it to the movie, I, I was, I, I honestly was trying to figure out who it was, and there's a couple of times where you're like, oh, it's gotta be this fucking person, or it's, oh, no, 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 it's that fucking, no, it's him, it's fucking him, you know, <laughs> it's like that kind of shit, um, so that was fun, but it's, <laughs> it's a really disjointed, like, shitty movie, um, it just kind of like uh like rambles along <laughs> kind of like this podcast <laughs> it just kind of rambles along and and then it just kind of ends and then like the movie ends 
and then it's it's not over there's like 10 minutes more and there's a scene <laughs> where like the town sheriff is talking to some guy and he literally like has to explain the whole like why this person was the killer sort of thing and it's not it's not like the like the Columbo reveal where everything falls into place or Sherlock Holmes or something where you're like, Oh shit, that's what that fucking little piece of thread was on the dude's pocket. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like that at all. It's just this totally made up shit that nobody could have ever guessed because you know, you didn't have all the information and there was an interview on the DVD with the director and a couple of the the actors, the main actors, and they were talking about how they started shooting before the script was written, and then they were just like changing the script constantly while they were shooting, and it was it was like a I don't know 15, 16 day shoot, something like that. Um, so it was pretty quick, and so. <laughs> Like it was written within the space of a couple of weeks and shot at the same time, so they didn't really know where they were going with the script, and it really shows. Um, so it's it's not great, um, but it could be a lot worse. But I'm going to brand it a piece of shit forever and always. <laughs> uh, next up, a movie from. 1987 called Retribution and I watched this on Halloween it was the last day of the October uh, horror non-stop horror fest that I always uh, partake in uh, for my own pleasure and it, it ended up being very uh, fortuitous because it, it it begins on Halloween night <laughs> so hey i didn't even know that and and it was very fun to watch it and it was like oh it's halloween on screen and it's halloween at the house <laughs> not that i'm like super into halloween like i i like horror movies and it gives me an excuse to uh like watch a bunch of them but like i don't decorate the house or nothing i mean i don't decorate the house for shit but <laughs> um Anyway, so this movie, did I say 1987? Uh, so fucking Retribution, 1987, uh, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, basically, it opens on Halloween night, like I said, and this guy, the main character, is on a ledge, and he's going to kill himself. And they're trying to talk him down. Um, but he decides that he's going to jump. So he's a fucking guy jumps, but he lives and he's got some fucked up legs, but, uh, they do physical therapy, whatever. So he's, he's able to walk. He has a cane, but somehow it, it, nobody really knows. They're just it's like, man, you just fucking got lucky. You, you lived. But then some fucked up shit starts happening to him. Some supernatural shit and uh like he he goes to sleep and he has these very vivid dreams of people getting murdered right and then he wakes up and it's very vivid you know he feels like that shit happened to him and and then he 
like as the day goes on he finds out like oh that person actually died <laughs> that i dreamt about like how how the fuck did i dream about this um did it act did i do it like what the fuck am i sleepwalking whatever and so that's where it starts kind of and it's really well made it's the guy who made it uh is a guy named guy magar uh, or Guy Guy magar he's an egyptian guy and he primarily almost always uh, directed uh tv stuff and retribution was his first like theatrical feature and i'm it might have been his only theatrical feature because uh, he has other movies that he directed but but like like direct-to-video stuff i'm pretty sure that the other ones were all direct-to-video I, I looked at it when i was watching it but i don't i don't know it's already fucking long enough on this thing i don't want to do another two-hour one um but it, really great cinematography there's not a lot of kills but they're all super super memorable and really well done good effects uh, it's a little long. It could definitely be tightened up a little bit, and some of the acting is a little over the top. But it's the 80s, and it's more than worth your time. So if you are into that kind of thing, like uh, horror movies and uh, good horror 80s, <laughs> good horror 80s <laughs> should be my new website, goodhorror80s.com. <laughs> And I just uh, write fucking broken English reviews. <laughs> um, so, like, as long as you like 80s movies, I think you'll be able to roll with whatever this movie has. Because it's well made, and it's fun, and it's very visually exciting. Very well made, very colorful. Um, I'm into, I really like colorful movies. Um especially 80s stuff and 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 uh, that's one reason why i don't really like modern movies because they always desaturate everything to make it look fucking gritty and oh it's dark fucking post-apocalypse you know that's one thing i gotta say for the ash versus evil dead it's very colorful and i like that i don't know that it fits the evil dead world to be honest because uh the other movies were not especially colorful uh, but uh, whatever, I like colors. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you hear, you heard it here first. The fucking bold statement. It's gonna be all over the National Enquirer. <laughs> Will likes colors. <laughs> um, so yeah, Retribution, definitely good. Uh, it, it, I, you know, it's good. Then I watched, or I, I rewatched. I haven't watched it since I was a teenager, and I forgot basically everything about it, so I don't know if it really counts as a rewatch, but uh, the Sammo Hung directed and starring uh, film, <laughs> again with my shitty English, um, Encounters of the Spooky Kind, and Sammo made Encounters of the Spooky Kind in 1980, and it was a big uh, revolutionary movie. It was one of the first movies to really um, engage the, uh, what are they called? The Jiangxi. I think that's what they're called. Jiangxi. Yeah, the, the Jiangxi, the, the hopping vampire. Or, you know, they're, 
they say hopping vampire, but they're also like they could be hopping ghosts or hopping zombies or just hopping corpses or whatever. Um, but anyway, the fucking Jiangxi uh, really became popular in movies, uh, from what I understand, because of Sammo Hung's uh, encounters of the spooky kind. And to be completely honest, I can see why. They are not, like, the focus of the movie. Uh, the movie throws a lot of stuff at the screen, a lot of varied things. Uh, it's a Sammo Hung movie, so uh, that is to be expected if you are a fan and you, you know, you know his work. Um, but there's there's one part where Sammo Hung is supposed to stay in this this house for, like, a night or whatever classic haunted house sort of thing set up uh and but there's a a a black magic dude who is trying to like scare samma hung into either i don't remember if he's trying to kill him but he's definitely trying to get him to leave because there's some kind of bet no i think he is trying to kill him yeah because there's a whole other thing with the Sam Mahung's wife is cheating on him. And I think that the... The other guy is trying to... I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> like I said. My memory's not great for some of this shit. Um, that's why... <laughs> uh, in my reviews, I, I generally don't like to regurgitate plot. Because anybody can do that. And I feel like... I mean just watch the fucking movie <laughs> you know i don't know if there's something that needs to be pointed out to sort of make a point or whatever but like for the most part i try to keep my plot descriptions in the written reviews really short and and kind of just limited to the setup and i i guess when i'm talking about it, i don't i should i should try more anyway um so encounters of the spooky kind there's a part anyway where he where the black magician is is raising this corpse out of the coffin and then Sammo Hung is basically fighting the corpse uh, martial arts style um, and it's it's so fucking great it's so good and like like a lot of Sammo Hung's early movies I've been watching um, his movies I mean it started a couple of years ago with all the Jackie Chan movies that he directed but then uh recently earlier this year i started trying to work through the early movies of sam hung that i hadn't seen like uh iron fisted monk i think i watched that last year uh warriors 2 knockabout all those movies are fucking great shit like kung fu classics watch them if you haven't seen them um so encounters of the spooky kind was one of those uh, but I had seen that when I was a kid. I remember I had that, not a kid, but teenager. I had it on tape, like a bootleg tape. But I don't fucking remember anything about it. But anyway, it's fucking great. If you like Hong Kong movies, you like Sammo Hung, it's a fucking total no-brainer. The movie is fun as shit. Um, but it is like a lot of early Sammo Hung movies. This is what I was going to say earlier. Um, it's slow starting with the action the action is is mostly backloaded into the last half hour um 
and so if you've seen stuff like Warriors 2 and Knockabout, Knockabout is really like that, where where there's stuff before that in like the first hour, but it's this slow build up and then this gigantic release of just like <laughs> fucking cavalcade of fights, and it's, it's so amazing. I love Knockabout. Um, but Encounters of the Spooky Kind is, is structured very similarly. Similarly to that <sighs> getting tired all right well let's see what do i got next last movie uh i was talking about larry cohen because i watched the stuff last week so i decided um similarly similarly to sammo hung and basically everybody else that i like i um have this grand idea of watching all of their movies and i start uh, chronologically so a while back i had watched larry cohen's first movie bone and so this time i watched his second movie uh, which is a fred williamson film called black caesar and black caesar is is supposedly a remake of little caesar the the 30s gangster movie starring edward g robinson uh, which is a fucking great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen Little Caesar in years, like years, 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 20 years, you know, probably. Um, so I don't remember what the fuck the story was. I barely remember what the fucking story was from Black Caesar. <laughs> and I watched that shit like three days ago, two days ago. <laughs> no, I probably remember this one better. I don't know. I'm not going to try to remember um, <laughs> but anyway, it's supposed to be a remake of Little Caesar. Um, that's where the name comes from. His name isn't Caesar in the movie or anything. And if you look at the poster and you look at the year it was made, 1973, and the cast with Fred Williamson, you you might assume that it's a black exploitation movie. And you know, it, nobody would fault you if you assumed that. But uh it's really not. It's it's not an exploitative movie in any way. It has a lot of the hallmarks of a black exploitation movie. Like all of the elements are basically there and in place, but the way Larry Cohen um directed the movie and wrote the movie it's not exploitative at all so it actually turns out to be like a genuinely good movie um and not just because you know oh it's it's fun or whatever like no it's a really good movie um uh, if you like gangster movies i would definitely recommend watching it regardless of whether you like black exploitation movies or not um, I wouldn't even classify this as a black exploitation movie, even though it came out at the same time and stuff. It's and, and it probably benefited a lot from uh, that movement being a thing, and then people went and saw this. Um, but what I found interesting about it is that, and I don't know if it was, I don't know that they really developed the theme, so I don't know if it was actually a conscious. Uh, choice on the part of Larry Cohen but the movie starts in the 50s and uh, the character that is played by Fred Williamson uh, is 
like a maybe 12, 13 year old kid, maybe a little bit older, uh, in the 50s, and he has an encounter with a racist cop who basically cripples him. And so he goes to jail because the cop, you know, trumps up some charge or whatever. I don't know. He was working for the mob. The kid was working for the mob, so I don't know that they needed to trump anything up. Um, uh, but anyway, he goes to the hospital first. They, they fix his leg. Then he goes to jail, and then when he comes back, it's now, like, I don't know. I, I think it was the 70s when he came back. It might have been the 60s. I don't remember. They put it on the screen. Anyway, he's Fred Williamson now, and I, I'm pretty sure it was the 70s. Um, so he's Fred Williamson now. So what I found interesting about that, just that little exchange, is that um, because in the first scene, the Fred Williamson's character, whatever the fuck his name was, I don't remember, Johnny or something. <laughs> I should look it up because I feel bad. It's a good movie, and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck his character is. <laughs> I think it's like Johnny, though. I'm pretty sure. Tommy. <laughs> I'm fucking close enough. Tommy. Okay. So, this guy, Tommy. So, the kid, Tommy, is... Um... Tommy, can you hear me? <laughs> um... I just have Tommy songs playing in my head. Um, so Tommy in the 50s is shining shoes uh, to earn a buck. And then when he returns, he's got a suit and he's uh, been wronged and he's been in jail this whole time. And he has... A plan of kind of becoming a uh, a big man in in the community. Um, not like an upstanding guy, but just uh, he's going to take over. Like he 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 worked a little bit with the mob uh, when he was a teenager, and then you know it gave him the idea that like, well, why can't I do that? And so he began the movie in the fifties when that kind of thing may not have been possible. This is prior to civil rights. Um, not that civil rights really governs the actions of gangsters, but just in terms of, you know, being in society. Um, I'm sure it affected the situation. So then when he comes out, now it's after civil rights. And so... He's now, like, he's, like, almost time-traveled, and the world has changed around him. And so now he has both the inclination and the opportunity to succeed and uh, to stick it to the people who had previously oppressed him. And so it's a fucking... <laughs> It's a great fucking movie. And James Brown does the score, and the fucking score is great, because it's James Brown, and it's 1972, 73, something like that. And, you know, James Brown's fucking firing on all cylinders at that point. And 
and it's it's really great you know um i i don't like i would have liked to see more about the civil rights thing i don't they didn't really bring they didn't bring it up at all like civil rights stuff at all that's all me just seeing like oh it's the 50s and the 70s um you know like there's some there's there's could theoretically be like a theme emerging there and then there's elements later where like you can see how the white people in the movie like you can almost see how they feel like okay it's the 70s i have to treat you as an equal because that's the law now but like i am going to disregard that you know and it's all like a look or or just the way the guy is acting and so it's me reading into it but there's i don't know there was something about it there and and i wasn't looking for it i just it just came to me because this one guy just had this weird look on his face when tommy says something um like like there's specifically a moment when tommy does something and as a black guy the white people react in a way like he's taking something from them and it's not his place and why would he do that when it's something that would happen all the time and if it was a white dude they wouldn't question his desire for it his desire would be like no a known quantity and they would just be more they would be more accepting but also be more like they would care more about the reasons than the fact that he it, who of who it is or whatever you know so they're not they don't see past the color um <laughs> so it's a brutal movie there's there's actually a lot of effects work in it not a lot but there's a, the, enough there's like an ear that gets cut off and there's some people that get shotgunned in the face and shit like that <laughs> and i was listening to the commentary uh from larry cohen on the dvd and rick baker the the amazing rick baker was the fx artist on the film and uh according to larry cohen he was the fx artist on uh, a few of his movies earlier in the day like uh, bone and it's alive i haven't seen it's alive yet i'm really looking forward to that um what else oh on the uh on the commentary also uh there's a sequel to this movie called hell up in harlem and i'll probably watch that relatively soon in the next couple of weeks uh, that larry cohen also made with fred williamson and but james brown didn't do the score to that movie and i was trying to figure out why and then while i was listening to the commentary um larry cohen tells a story about how james brown wrote all these songs and gave them to larry cohen for black caesar and the songs were just long like they like james brown just went out and basically made an album based around black caesar and so he gives it to larry cohen and 
James Brown didn't know, like, oh, you got to have music that's a specific length to fit the scenes and all that. So Larry Cohen had to, like, edit all of the music to fit into the scenes and stuff like that. So, you know, James Brown scored the movie, but, you know, he didn't do it traditionally. So then when they... Uh, AIP was the studio, and so AIP made another black exploitation movie. Not that this one is, but whatever. Um, and it's like Slaughter's big payoff or big ripoff or some something like that. Slaughter's big something. And they had James Brown score that movie too, but because Larry Cohen wasn't the director uh, of that one, when James Brown turned in the songs, they were like, "What the fuck is this?" we you we need you to score the movie not just write a bunch of songs and he was just like well, fuck you this is what i did the last time and so they they talked to larry cohen and he's like yeah that's what he did i just made it work but i guess the other director didn't want to make it work so somebody went in and made it work for that movie but um because of that aip refused to hire james brown for the Black Caesar sequel, Hell Up in Harlem. And so Larry Cohen wanted him uh, to do it, but AIP wouldn't agree to it. So eventually they worked out a, uh, a compromise where if James Brown would uh, pay for the recording himself and write the whole score for Hell Up in Harlem uh, without any advance, without anything, and with no guarantee that it was going to be the soundtrack. Just It would have to be approved before um, they would hire him, basically. If he would agree to do that, uh, then, then uh, they would let him have a chance at scoring Hell Up in Harlem. So he goes, okay, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. I'm James Brown, you know. So he goes and he does it. He writes all these songs and he turns it in and he goes, here you go. Here's my my fucking score for Hell Up in Harlem. And AIP is just like, well, he did it again. He did these fucking long songs. This is bullshit. Fuck you, James Brown. We refuse it. We, we're not going to use it. And so Larry Cohen wanted to use the music, but he couldn't because of AIP. And so then he, Larry Cohen went back to James Brown and he says, they refused it, you know, you got the album, you know, whatever. And this is obviously better from Larry Cohen. So just if you watch Black Caesar, watch the commentary also, because Larry Cohen is a great uh, uh, storyteller. You know, he's he's very... He's got all the stories. Um, <laughs> fucking stupid ass. He's got all the stories. Uh, anyway, uh, so he gave he gave you know he said okay James the they don't want your shit so sorry, and so then James Brown was just like yeah whatever we'll figure it out, and so he put out all of those songs the soundtrack for Hell Up in Harlem as just a solo just an album. And that album was The Payback, which is one of James Brown's most popular, most sampled, 
most like influential fucking albums of all time and AIP fucking refused that it. it could have been the score to Hell Up in Harlem. So there's a little story for, for you. Have I gone over two hours? No, not quite. Almost. Um, so that's that. I really enjoyed it. It's a good movie for sure. And so that's the end of is it good or is it a piece of shit? And was it all good this month? I mean this week? No, no. Sweet, sweet 16 I, I said was shit. Okay, so that's the show. Um, upcoming on the site next week, I'm taking another week off, so um, you know, get your reviews elsewhere, or uh, look through the archives of Silver Emotion. We got like over a thousand reviews up there, uh, <laughs> so uh, get reading. <laughs> and uh, if you want to send in any feedback for next week's show. Uh, shoot me an email or uh, put a comment up on the site somewhere, <laughs> uh, preferably on a podcast post, and uh, let me know if you have any feedback or any thoughts on any of the movies that I talked about. And so uh, that's the show, episode 7 in the can. Adios. <laughs>